thankfulness this morning. And I've got lots of slides. I'm just going to talk about a few things, some video clips. Hopefully it'll all work, but we'll see. So this is our verse for the year. And it says this in John 15, 8. It says, this is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. Now what, what does Jesus mean when he said fruits? What does, he, what does he mean by that? I'm going to think about that a little bit this morning, then I'm going to look at one specific thing, that looking in John 15, what he actually was talking about. I wonder if anybody knows what that is. Does anybody know what that is? A lawnmower? Who said lawnmower? I don't expect any men to know, but I thought, pardon? Steam, it does steam, yeah. My wife, a couple of months ago, um, came home and she said, I bought something and it's really, really amazing and this was it. And she said, it means that we never have to iron our clothes ever again. It's a garment steamer. Oh, you see, it works. No, it doesn't look as a... And um, so a garment steamer, what on earth? Do you know what on earth? And uh, so, yeah, that's what you're supposed to do with it. it I couldn't find a picture of a man doing it. I do apologise. If you look on the internet, I couldn't find one. But I use it, as you can see. And um, it's a garment steamer. Now, I remember my, my wife, Kath, she, she bought it, she unpacked it, she was showing me what to do with it. But me being a typical bloke, I just weren't really listening to what she was saying. You know, I thought, yeah, it'll be fine. Yeah, it looks easy. Yeah, that's fine. And I remember the first time I came to want to use it, she wasn't home. So I get it out to use it. What a nightmare. I'm thinking, I wish I'd have listened. It was making all kinds of funny noises. I kept burning my hand. You know, like, what on earth? And then, you know, and then it was sort of bleeping, and I thought, what on earth? And then, you know, I sort of, I thought, well, I'm doing this. I need to watch something. So I stuck the TV on, pulled it over a little bit to do it. And then everything went off, and I thought, oh, what on earth? So you know what I did? I got the ironing board out. I got the iron. <laughs> and decided to use that. And when I was packing everything away, I realised what the problem had been with the garment steamer. Um, I'd actually managed to pull the plug out of the socket a little bit and it went off. And that's why it wasn't doing anything. I thought, this is not working. You know, the, the, the creases are still there. Um, I still don't like using it, to be honest with you, but that's another story. You know, Jesus said this in John 15, 5. He said, I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. Jesus is saying, unless you are plugged into me, unless you are in me and I am in you, you're not going to bear any fruit. Just like that steamer wouldn't work because it wasn't plugged in, we need to be plugged into Jesus. And one of the problems that we often have as Christians, and I definitely have this problem, is that sometimes I think I can do things without him. And so I go rushing off and doing things and thinking I can sort it out and I can do it. And then I find I get tired, I get stressed, I get worried about things. And that's because I'm trying in my own strength to do the very things that Jesus says we can only do if we abide in him. But in John chapter 15, Jesus mentions a few things that, that we'll be able to do if we abide in him. Here are some of those things. In, in verse 10, that he talks about obeying my commandments, Jesus said. 
We can't obey his commands if we're not plugged into him, if we're not in the vine. If, if, if we're not in him, if we're not close to him, if, if we don't, he doesn't sort of live in our lives, then trying to obey him and do even the simplest thing he asks of us leads us to feel we, we're hopeless and useless and we can't do it. We need to be in him to keep his commands. It also says in verse 11 that we can experience the joy of Jesus. And in chapter 14, verse 27, it speaks about his peace. How joyful do you feel as a Christian this morning? How much peace do you have when the whole world around us is in disarray and there's all kinds of things going wrong? How peaceful do you feel? When we're not feeling peaceful, when we're not feeling joyous in our walk with the Lord Jesus, it's probably because we've moved away from him and we're trying to do things ourselves. Verse 12, it says, love for one another. You know, we can only truly love one another if we're in Jesus and Jesus is in us. Because if we're not, people wind you up, don't they? Me and Phil know this. We're pastors. We know that people wind you up. But when you're close to Jesus, you have a love and a compassion and understanding for people and for each other. We need to remain in him. And in verses 16 and 27, it talks about we will witness for him. We can be witnesses for him. We need to abide in Christ. And abiding in Christ takes three things, really. First of all, we have to have that connection. You can't abide in Christ if you've not put your faith and your trust in Christ. If you've not come to him and repented of your sin, if you've not come to him and sought him for salvation, then you can't abide in him. You've got to have a connection with him. You've got to allow him to be Lord and saviour of your life. We need that connection. And then we need to learn to depend upon him. Not in ourselves, not in other people. People let you down. People and situations will always let you down. But we can depend on Jesus. He never lets us down. And then we need to continue in him. A continuation. You know, for some people, those who maybe put their faith in Christ... Life becomes so hard and so difficult and they think this isn't working for me, this Jesus thing isn't working for me and they go wandering off. You know, I once heard someone preaching in Bradford City Centre, you may have heard this same message yourself, where someone stood up in the, in the town centre and was proclaiming, if you come to Jesus, you'll never have any problems ever again. I thought, which Jesus are you talking about? You know, because we will have problems, we will have issues. We'll be persecuted for our faith, especially when we stand up for our faith. But if we stay abiding in Christ, then we'll have the strength to cope, the peace, the joy. Everything that we need is found in abiding in Christ. And he says, if you abide in me, you will bear fruit. And this morning, the fruit that I've been asked to speak about is bearing fruit in witnessing, in sharing our faith with people. And I know that when we talk about evangelism, we talk about witnessing and sharing our faith, most of us find it difficult to do. Most of us find it difficult to do. I saw an article yesterday, somebody put it on Facebook, and it was talking about a, a plan of action for evangelism that the Seventh-day Adventist church have. And uh, they're, they're using this thing in their churches, and it's, it's called Everybody Ministry, Every person ministry, but it's all about everybody being a witness for Jesus. 
That's the Seventh-day Adventist church. We know that there are groups already that just witness and witness and witness. Cults, they're called. You know, we're called to be the ones that are sharing truth with people. But it's a scary thing to do. But maybe you could try some of these things that this guy tried. Please work. <laughs> Awkward. I don't know if you want to go to your local library this week and try some of those stuff. But we've got to find a way of reaching people because Jesus came to seek and save the lost. And that's our job. That's our mission. That's our purpose. That's what we're supposed to do. And we find it incredibly difficult and incredibly hard. And we don't want to do it. We think naturally it's for evangelists. Those with the gift of evangelism, that's for them to do. But that's not true. There might be those that are really, really good at it and natural at it and God's gifted them that way. But the reality is we're all called to do the work of an evangelist. We're all called to share our faith. We're all called to go. We're not called to stay. And you've heard this message loads of times before from people that will say it better than me, I'm sure. But I just want to challenge you again that we're called to bear fruit in witnessing. And we can do it if we abide in Christ. When we say it's his work, not my work. And allow the results of our, our efforts, often futile efforts, to be in Christ and not in myself. We allow Jesus to work through us. This was the experience of those, those early apostles. You know, when this, Jesus rose from the dead, they saw him. He gave them a commission in Acts 1.8. He says, you shall be my witnesses in Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. And then we find this episode in Acts, don't we? In Acts 4, Peter and John replied, judge for yourselves whether it's right in God's sight to obey you, it's the law, rather than God, for we cannot help speaking about what we have seen and heard. We cannot help speaking about what we've seen and heard. And for those guys, it meant serious punishment and ultimately death for speaking about Jesus. But sharing Jesus can be scary in the culture we're living in today. So why are we scared to share our faith? Why are we scared? When you think of evangelism, what do you think? Tell me something that... We're going we're gonna to interact a little bit this morning. You have to shout out really loud. But tell me something that's scary about evangelism. Nothing, you see. So let's get out there. No, come on. What's, what's really scary about evangelism? Why, what worries you about it? Failure. Failure. Rejection. Exposing sin. So exposing sin. Yeah, people don't like that. If you go to people and say you're a sinner, they don't like that. I found that. Anything else? Not being able to answer a question. Well done, James. I'm going to ask you a question about that afterwards. <laughs> See if you can answer it. There are a number of things, when we really think about it, that stops us sharing our faith. You know, one of the things can often be is that we think evangelism has got to be something like this guy here. That's that one, not that one. <laughs> That's us, looking at that guy. But we think it's about standing on a soapbox in the town centre, there's maybe a place for that, you know, maybe, maybe that's all right, and a way to do that right. But we often think, you know, we, we can never do that, something like that, and have a crowd around us. But we're not, we're not necessarily talking about that. 
I want us to think for a moment about evangelism and, and what we're worried about. I, I found a website this week called evangelismcoach.org and it suggested some reasons why we may be worried about evangelism. And it said maybe we've had some bad experiences. It suggested that one of those bad experiences may be door-to-door. That can either be you going door-to-door and you've had some bad experience on the door or it could be that you've had someone on your door and they were a pain in the neck. You see, we can get evangelism wrong, can't we, as well? Or, or maybe you've seen open-air evangelists like that guy that I showed you. You know, you think, I don't want to be associated with anything like that. Man alive, that just puts people off. Maybe that's, or, or I can't be an open-air evangelist. Or you see on TV, pushy televangelists. And people know about these guys, so when you start talking, they think you're the same. Uh, maybe you've got a friend who is really obnoxious with you. Um, about the faith and, and you've heard people do it in an obnoxious way maybe again James just said this maybe being caught out without answers and you're worried that what if they ask me a really difficult question and I can't answer that question what about our emotions fear of rejection we we just heard that as well that people will reject us might mean losing a friendship you value your friendship with your friends your family your work colleagues your school friends too much to tell them about Jesus you're worried about offending someone. That's a real common thing today, isn't it? You say anything, you seem to be offending someone in today's world. You don't feel you can do it. You feel inadequate. Or again, embarrassment over unanswerable questions. So our emotions might get in the way of bad experiences. Maybe perceptions. Fear of what others will think about you. Think you're a bit of a weirdo, a Bible basher, a bit of a freak. Maybe you don't want to rudely interrupt someone's life. Think like, they just seem to be okay with how they're getting on with their life. Maybe, you know, I don't want to do anything to spoil that. Being seen as arrogant. Yeah, if you start talking about Jesus and say he's the only way, people will accuse you of being arrogant. What about your own failings and weakness and hypocrisies and inadequacies? I was talking to a pastor friend of mine this week who had to deal with a, a situation in his church out of a, a, he really had to sort of deal with something and he wanted to help this guy because he loved him because he loved him he said but before I went to talk to this guy and share some of the issues that as I saw it in his life he said I just had this overwhelming sense of the fact that I'm a sinner as well you know that, that actually you know who am I to judge anybody else do you know and we can feel so much so in our own weaknesses think well how can I tell anybody else but tell we must. Maybe we struggle to share because we've got doubt ourselves. Maybe we're not convinced about the message ourselves. Have you maybe heard of Penn and Teller? Have you heard of Penn and Teller? Sort of atheist magicians. I remember sort of hearing um, uh, Penn and Teller, which one was it? Penn Gillette, that's him. The bigger guy, he was saying, he was quoted as saying, if Christians really believed that people were going to hell when they die if they don't trust in Jesus, then I'd expect every single one of them to be out here telling me. That's what he said. He's an atheist. He didn't believe it. But he said, if you really believe it's true, why aren't you telling people? It's a bit bad when even atheists tell you. Maybe we feel a bit of guilt as well. We, you can be made to feel guilty by, by pastors, <laughs> you know, who, uh, who tell you, you should be sharing the gospel. Um, you feel guilty as well because you know Jesus said so you know Jesus said we've got to go and tell people 
And maybe that makes you feel a bit guilty as well. And maybe you feel guilty because of this. You've been told that you're responsible for people's eternal destiny. You're responsible. You know the things I would hate to happen to me? And this doesn't mean that I'm therefore, because I'm thinking this, I'm going to go and be the greatest evangelist the world's ever seen. But it should make me be. The, the thing that I fear the most is, you know, when we stood before God at the judgment seat and he's separating the lambs and the goats, and uh, the sheep and the goats rather, and we're the sheep and we're going off and we see some goats wandering off the other way. And some of those goats shout over, Tony Brown, I knew you all those years and you never told me about Jesus as they're wandering away to hell. I don't want to hear that. I don't want to hear that. But we're worried about evangelism. And so we end up, rather than saying, here I am, Lord, send me. We say, here I am, Lord, send him. Send her. Because it's not for me. I'm going to give you seven C's of why we should share the gospel. Seven C's of why we should share the gospel. The first one is, we're commanded. We're commanded to share the gospel. Jesus said to his disciples... Matthew 28, 18 to 20. And Jesus came and spoke to them saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Amen. We are commanded to share the gospel. The disciples knew that. That's why they couldn't stop talking about what they'd seen and what they'd heard. But you know why they could do that? Because they knew Jesus was with them. They remained in the vine. They, they were abiding in Christ. When you abide in Christ, you're able to do all these things that Jesus commands you to do. That's the first C, commanded. The second one is we should be compelled. 2 Corinthians 5, 14 and 15, the Apostle Paul says, For the love of Christ compels us. Because we judge thus, that if one died for all, then all died. And he died for all, that those who live should live no longer for themselves, but for him who died for them and rose again. In, in history, there's no greater evangelist than the Apostle Paul. No one greater than him. He was compelled to share Jesus with people. Second C. Third one. Convicted. 1 Corinthians 9.16. Again, the Apostle Paul. For if I preach the gospel, I have nothing to boast of. For necessity is laid upon me. Yes, woe is me if I do not preach the gospel. He had a deep conviction. I've been saved as the worst of sinners. I therefore need to share the gospel with others that they may be saved. There's a conviction. There's also a call. We're called. 2 Corinthians 5, 20 and 21. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ. As though God were pleading through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. For he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Ambassadors for Christ. God pleading through us. We implore you to be reconciled to God. We're called. We're chosen. 
1 Peter 2, 9 and 10. But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvellous light, who once were not a people, but are now the people of God, who had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. Don't we realise we've been chosen to this task? We're a special people, a privileged people. We have to proclaim Jesus. We have to preach him. We need to be convinced of what Jesus said in John 14, 6, that he is the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Are we convinced that no one is going to get into heaven unless they've come to Christ? We're living in a world today where that's challenged constantly, isn't it? Interfaith, multi-faith, all roads lead to God. That's not what the Bible says. That's not what Jesus says. It's no good saying to your Muslim friend, your Hindu friend, your Sikh friend, your Jehovah's Witness friend, or whoever, you'll be okay in what you believe. They won't be. That's not me being arrogant. That's Jesus speaking. That's the Bible's message. Are we convinced that no one gets to the Father except through Jesus? If we are, we've got to share. And concerned, final one. Apostle Paul in Romans 10, 1 and 2, he says, Brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they may be saved. For I bear them witness that they have a zeal for God, but not according to knowledge. We could replace that word Israel for something ourselves, couldn't we? Brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Bradford, for my family, for my friends, is that they may be saved. Are we concerned for people or are we not? It's a challenge for each one of us. I'm not saying this like I've got all this sorted. I'm just telling you guys, this is, this is for every one of us. There's a need for us to share the gospel. Now I'm going to do something which seems a bit obvious, but, but I think I need to do it because you shouldn't assume anything. What is the gospel? Because we keep saying we've got to share the gospel, but what is the gospel? Is the gospel, let me just tell you, God loves you. Is that it? No, it's not. It's not enough. Nowhere near enough. The gospel is the good news that God became man in Jesus Christ. He lived the life we should, we should have lived. And he died the death we should have died. In our, place, three, in our place, three days later, he rose from the dead. Proving that he is the son of God. And offering the gift of salvation to all who repent and believe in the gospel. The gospel is the good news that Jesus came. He was fully man, fully God. He lived our life. He, lived, he, he took our death and our punishment so we needn't have that. He took our place. He rose from the dead proving that the resurrection is true. And we need to repent and put our faith in him. And that's the only way we can be saved. Someone put it like this. The gospel. God, our sins, paying everyone life. God created us to be with him. Our sins separate us from God. Sins cannot be removed by good deeds. Paying the price for sin, Jesus died and rose again. Everyone who trusts in him alone has eternal life. And life with Jesus starts now and lasts forever. I like that. I like these sort of acronyms and stuff that help you remember things. 
You can send these things on to you afterwards if you want them, so don't feel you have to rush and write them all down. But how do we share the gospel? Well, well, here's something. We need to use words. We need to use words. Have you seen this quote before? Preach the gospel everywhere you go, and if necessary, use words. Have you seen that before? Often attributed to Francis of Assisi. There's two things wrong with that. The first thing is, there's no evidence whatsoever that Francis of Assisi actually ever said that. That's the first problem. The second problem is, it isn't biblical. It's not biblical. Preach the gospel everywhere you go, and if necessary, use words. Just watch this video clip. There's a little bit more, but you get the idea. He's there, he's there preaching the gospel. He's confronted by a lovely young Christian woman who says, you just got to live it. You just got to live You don't need to use words. You don't need to tell them that they're sinners. But what does the Bible say? He quoted Romans 10, so we don't need to sort of look at that. But they've, they've got to hear. They've got to know the problem in order to be saved. So forget Francis of Assisi. We preach the gospel, and since it is necessary, use words. We preach the gospel, and since it is necessary, use words. If we just spend our life thinking, people will come to Jesus if I just sort of dress a certain way and live a certain way and make moral choices and show what a nice neighbor I am, they, they, may, they, may, ask, they may ask a few questions, but you know something? There's lots of other groups that do that as well. Lots of other groups do it better than us and will attract people. Guys, we need to use words. What are some of the other things we can do? Well, we can, use, we can use tracks. I was going to show you a clip, but we haven't got time for it today. Maybe I'll use it another time. But it was a guy who um, was given um, the American version of one of these. The, these, these. These young guys were just going out, giving out tracks. And it was like, you know, have you had your million dollars today? This is your million pounds today. And they were just giving them out and saying, have you had your million pounds today? And this guy took it and he just stuck it in his pocket and he went home and then sometime later he found it. Um, he'd come from a Christian background in the past but he'd gone way, way, way into all kinds of sort of sin and um, he read this and he came to repentance and back into faith with Christ. You never know by giving a tract what it might do. So I've got some of these. So if you want one today, take it. But don't take it to put it in your wallet and keep it and think you can spend it. Because uh, it's got a picture of Charles Spurgeon on it and people will get suspicious. But if you give, if you give it to someone to say, you know, just give you, can I just give you this? You know, have you had your million pounds today? Whatever it is. Give them that. Who knows? You just hear stories after stories, don't you? Of people who were saved by being given a tract. Just given a tract. And you never know this, what it's done. But it works. I've got some different stuff here. So that's another thing we can do. Um, a final thing I want us to think about is this. We can use the gifts given to us by God. We're not all out and out evangelists. We're not. We, many of us would not feel comfortable on a soapbox in the city centre with a crowd around us. Many of us would find giving out a tract very, very difficult. Although I don't think it is that difficult, that one personally. But we can use the gifts given by God. I, I heard a story just the other day. Of a, of a guy who felt God calling him to be a missionary in China. And he went to a couple of mission societies to try and get there, and they both turned him down, the two he went to, both turned him down and said, the problem you've got is you can't speak the language, and you're telling us that really you would struggle to learn the language. It's not, it's not your gift to learn the language. 
So, you know, we think maybe God's not calling you to this work so you can't go. But the story goes, true story, he, he got himself out there anyway. And what he found when he got there is what the mission societies said were absolutely true. He couldn't speak, he couldn't share anything with the Bible with them. But, you know, he had a gift. And his gift was he was an artist. And you know what he did? For the, for the first year or so he was there, he just drew pictures about Jesus. And as he drew pictures about Jesus, people got saved. And he eventually, don't know how long it took him, didn't say this in the story, learnt the language as well, and then he preached in their language. But he found a gift, a way of sharing Jesus with people that he'd been gifted in that way to do it. How has God gifted you and I to share the gospel with people? What can we do? What is it that maybe I can do that none of you guys can do? Or, you know, what is it you can do I, I would never be able to do? How can we get opportunities to share the gospel with people? Jesus said, if you abide in me, you will bear fruit. Do we believe him? If we abide in him, if we stay close to him, if we're believers here today, we are in Christ. Sometimes the Bible uh, translates it like this, we are in union with Christ. We are in him, he is in us, and if we put our hope and our faith in him, then we can bear fruit. Charles Spurgeon said this. Spurgeon didn't mess around, really, in what he said. He said, every Christian is either a missionary or an imposter. Who'd like to go to his church every week? Very quotable Spurgeon, but he's saying, we are called to be missionaries. That doesn't mean to go to China. It means to go to Bradford. It means to go to your neighbours. It means to go to your family. Friends, as we go forward here at Sunbridge Road Mission, and we look forward to having a new building. Um, we want to see people come to Christ. And we need to be missionaries outside of our building. We need to be the church out there amongst the people that God's given us in our, in our sphere of influence. And we need to somehow tell them about Jesus. John 15, 8. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. Let me just pray before we sing our closing song. Father, we just want to thank you that you have called us and bought us at a price to belong to you. And you've drawn us not to just to belong to you and just be happy in that knowledge, but you've called us to share what we have with others, to share Jesus and Lord, I know for many of us it's, it's incredibly difficult. We find it hard in, in a world around us as well, a society that's making it even harder for us to share for fear that we'll lose our jobs, for fear that we'll, we'll lose friendships. And, and, and Lord, we, we may be even arrested for it on the streets. We, we know, Lord, that um, we need to share the gospel, though. And Lord, not to be foolish, but to be wise in how we do it. And Father, I pray for all my brothers and sisters here this morning that, Lord, you will give each one opportunities to share their faith this week. And that, Lord, it may be through the gift that you've given them that they'll just be able to talk about Jesus. It may be through a tract. It may be through street witnessing. It may be in a workplace, in a school place. Maybe in our neighbourhood, Lord, whatever it might be. We just pray, Father, that we'd be open to share Jesus. Help us to do that, Lord. Because... 
We should be compelled to do it. We're commanded to do it. Lord, give us compassion for people who are lost outside of you so that, Lord, we'll have a zeal for them to be saved. So, Lord, may we not go from this place feeling bad, feeling guilty, worried about what we've heard this morning, but may we go knowing that if we abide in Christ, he'll use us to reach people in his love. And we commit all this to you in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. We're going to stand together. We're going to sing Jesus.